This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome. It's indisputable. I'm your host, Rashad Richard. Good to be with you. We have a lot on the agenda today. Breaking down news of the day, my contributor, A.B. Burns Tucker, host of I Am Legally Hype and law student, soon to be law graduate. Should be a fascinating breakdown. Top story of the day, Cop City, city of Atlanta continues to face criticism. Chaos emerges when people are uninformed. They want you to think that Cop City is only opposed by individuals who are violent against the government. That is not true. As a matter of fact, the first protesters of Cop City that went directly to Atlanta City Council were members of clergy, activists, advocates, millennials, and others. College students have also joined that fight. You have environmentalists that don't want it. You have good governance people who do not want it. Millennials don't want it. Community does not want it. Preachers don't want Cop City. One preacher in particular, here it is. This Atlanta City Council. My name is Reverend Kiana Jones and I stand here before you as a member of the Faith Coalition to stop Cop City. And I'm looking at each one of your faces and I really want to understand how it is that you asked people to vote for you and then ignored their voices. How it is that you feel okay with yourself lauding Abel Mabel, who had a lot to say about treating people right, who had a lot to say about the words of the Bible that many of you like to quote. Well, let me remind you of something. Be not deceived, for God is not mocked. That whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. So understand this, that the sins of the father will be visited on the children. It has happened time and again. So it may not happen to you, but what about your child? What about their children? What about their children's children's children? What will your legacy be? You so-called legacies of black misleadership sitting up here on this council. Let me tell you something, representation is not enough when you don't represent the people who elected you. The people came out and spoke clearly. And let me go to the Bible one more again and say that we are here as clergy to cry loud and spare not. We are opening our mouths and crying with a loud voice to say that we don't want Cop City. I live in East Atlanta. I don't want Cop City. I got five black children. I don't want Cop City. I like breathing clean air. I don't want Cop City. I want to drink clean water. I don't want Cop City. I don't want Black Hawk, black hawk helicopters landing around the corner from my house. I don't want Cop City.
Reverend Yana Jones, a remarkable young leader inside and outside of the faith context, had those striking words for members of Atlanta City Council. There's more, here it is. I don't, my neighbors don't, my granny don't. She's been in her house almost 50 years and you suckers will never get it through gentrification because we knew what to do. And Mary Norwood and the people of Buckhead, this will not be your trade off. When are you going to stop dealing with the white supremacist infrastructure and dealing with the so-called black elites in Atlanta in your silent agreement that as long as they go along with the white establishment, they're going to keep them other N-words over there in control? Now, some people had issues with her language. I saw back and forth commentary about how she called members of the council uh, sucker. Uh, some of them are. Here's how she ended the speech. I'm saying all of it. Because at the end of the day, there are a lot of self-righteous people sitting in seats of so-called authority. And you are deluded to think that you have power. We have the power. Oh and we gave you authority because we trusted you. Oh my God. And shame on you, Dustin Hillis. I don't give a damn if you don't look at me one time. Because you know, you know what you have done. And you know you ain't worth the dirt up under your feet. But I tell you what, in the words of my granny, because I ain't got to lean on the Bible. Mary Kate Thomas is a strong woman and taught me to fight. In the words of my granny, you may not pay what you owe, but you will reap what you sow. Let's be very clear about the irony of this entire cop city proposal. Nobody was checking for a cop city development. Nobody was advocating for a cop city development. And when I say this, I'm talking about community, members of the voting demographic of the city of Atlanta. So much so that during the previous Atlanta mayoral election, they went into a runoff. This was not front and center as something that people would advocate for as if it was popular. They knew Cop City was not popular. The current mayor, Andre Dickens, inherited this development proposal and agreement. He was not the mayor that ushered it in. It was the previous mayor, Keisha Lance Bottoms. He's the mayor that oversees it today though. Let's also highlight the nuances of what the cost has currently been. One dead person, environmentalist, questionable circumstances at least. No video evidence of what happened even though they knew they were engaged in an operation that could cause combat. Nobody recorded it, did not make sense. All of the drones flying on top of the Atlanta forest that this is proposed to be developed in, not one camera caught. What happened? The narratives do not make sense to many, including myself. In addition to that, $90 million from the taxpayers in the city of Atlanta to develop, to build what is known as Cop City. They are literally creating a fake apartment complex in order to train cops how to run into an apartment complex, grab people out of it, or kill people if necessary. The irony is, much of the criminality inside of the city of Atlanta is connected to crimes of survival, like homelessness. 
How about utilizing some of that bloviated budget and building a real apartment complex rather than a fake one? You see, these are the questions that activists and advocates and citizens have relevant questions. Opinions about the incoming Atlanta Public Safety Training Center, AKA Cop City, are not unanimous despite frequent coverage of protesters opposing the site. They have come to call Cop City. In fact, members of both sides of the conversation came together at Atlanta City Hall to make sure voices were heard on Monday. We are opening our mouths and crying with a loud voice to say, we don't want Cop City, said Reverend Kiana Jones, who you just saw. I live in East Atlanta, I don't want Cop City. Now, we have always contextualized this dynamic as a citywide dynamic. But let's be very clear, the infrastructure, the actual development is not going to be in the entire city. It's going to be in a neighborhood, in a community. The community will be impacted just as Reverend Jones laid out by what? Black Hawk helicopters flying back and forth during the training. Gunshot all day, maybe explosion, loudspeakers, sirens. That disrupts a community no matter who or where you are. There's a reason this was not proposed to be built in Buckhead. Atlanta, it never would have saw the light of day. There's more, religious leaders, religious leaders of the community like Jones showed up to the meeting with dozens of others on the opposing end. They brought petitions with 8,000 signatures asking the city to halt construction in the area of the South River area in DeKalb County and wanted and warned they are in the fight for the long run. This will not blow over, said Will Harlan, another opposer. The current plan will heighten tensions and harm communities for decades. Atlanta police officers kept watch, both inside and outside City Hall. Who's the winner here? Who's really winning? You gotta think about, there's no public sentiment. There's no public outcry, it's extremely controversial. There's no real buy-in from the community. Even members of the Atlanta City Council and some members of the Cab County government said clearly the community was not informed enough before this became a deal. Who's winning? The politicians are losing political capital. Community is outraged. There's already one dead individual. Activists have been activated. Who's winning? The one entity nobody's talking about. Who got the damn contract? The developers getting almost $100 million. The reason why the police were there in the first place, the operation was to clear the area for who? Not for you, not for citizens, not for green space, but for developers, corporations. There's more. Meanwhile, the Atlanta police chief, Chief Sherbaum, also appeared at the council meeting addressing the Atlanta City Council, he vowed to do whatever it takes to protect the site as well as citizens right to protest peacefully. He strongly criticized agitators, most of whom traveled from outside states and even other countries to participate in a violent riot that broke out 
at the construction site Sunday evening. Some of them who disguised themselves as protesters were caught on camera changing into black clothing and face masks before hurling fireworks and Molotov cocktails at police trying to harm them. That's according to video released to the public. You know, Chief, it's good you all have some video here. When are you going to release the video of the person who the police killed? When is that video coming out? And I heard that it is under investigation. What is under investigation? The person you all claimed was at the center of that ordeal, firing shots at the police according to your commentary and your narrative. That person is killed, he's dead, what investigation? You all have told us that officers are not under investigation. The person that would have been under investigation is in the ground, parents had to bury him. So what investigation are you talking about? These are the things, these are the things that inform the community that you do not take them seriously, nor do you believe their stance is credible? You're playing people like Boo Boo the Fool, sir, and they're hip to your game. Some of the speakers, some speakers at the council meeting argued it wasn't too late for Atlanta to find another location for the center. However, Atlanta Mayor Andre Dickens and various DeKalb County leaders already gave the green light for construction. Sorry, everybody, it doesn't matter how many people die. Doesn't matter how many people get shot and killed. We've already signed the contract. We green lighted the deal. It's nothing we can do. It's called anticipated repudiation. You can rip the contract up right now. Pay the fine. Do the right thing by the people. My dear sister, what are your thoughts here? Yeah, it's how what can you say after, you know, Reverend Jones? I think she pretty much said it all yeah. and let the sentiment be out there. But I think there's a few things that I would like to address. And one is like, we need to stop trying to tone police people when they are explaining to you the outrage and frustration that they feel when they have been disrespected. Because we don't tone police the other side when they yeah. are coming at those who are who feel victimized. So I think that's my first like comment on that. My other comment is if the city can afford to build a fake apartment complex in which the people who are utilizing it will not be spending money to keep it going to maintain it, then I think we can use that for housing for the unhoused community that's out there and the community that's actually that has been actually living in this area that they're trying to use for Cop City. My other thing would be who is advocating for the cop city, right? So if we're saying that we're doing this for citizens and it's to protect our communities, then where are the community individuals who want to have this cop city? I think that we are getting far from what the purpose of government leaders are and and what we vote these individuals in position for is to advocate on behalf of the citizens of that community and to support that community and that and that area. So when you are going outside of that realm, you're not, you're no longer doing your job, right? And I think this is part of the reason why democracy is like falling apart because mm. we have gone outside of that. We have 
have gone outside of as you know, leaders in these positions, we work for the people, we advocate for the people, that is our job. So when you have a community telling you this is not what we want here, that should be the time when you come back to the drawing board and say, okay, let's figure something out. So to completely ignore these concerns and ignore this population, I think you're right when it goes to say like, we don't respect you and we don't respect what you have to say. In addition to look at the neighborhood where you are putting this cop city, right? I think we need to be less concerned about building another place for them to train and getting down to the root of what the issue with cops are. Y'all need to restructure that entire program when it comes to policing and policing in communities. Putting more cops in a community where cops are not welcome is not gonna solve any problems. It's gonna make it worse. And I think we have seen a prelude to that before the cop city even gets gets created. Very well said to the elected officials who endorse this program. It is not weak to say I'm wrong, it is strong to admit you made a mistake. That is true strength of any leader. Some of you are saying to your families, I may have made a mistake, it's time to say it out loud. All right, Tucker Carlson, he got some explaining to do, continues to say some of the most extreme things against Donald Trump in private conversations. However, when he goes on his television show, he hates his viewers so much, he lies to them. Or maybe he just loves the money so much, maybe a little bit of both. Uh, here it is. The crowd was enormous. A small percentage of them were hooligans. They committed vandalism. You've seen their pictures again and again. But the overwhelming majority weren't. They were peaceful, they were orderly and meek. These were not insurrectionists, they were sightseers. Footage from inside the Capitol overturns the story you've heard about January 6th. Protesters queue up in neat little lines. They give each other tours outside the speaker's office. They take cheerful selfies and they smile. They're not destroying the Capitol, they obviously revere the Capitol. They're there because they believe the election was stolen from them. They believe in the system. Here's the man you've heard referred to as the QAnon shaman outside the Senate chamber. These are not rioters. These are people who wandered over from a political rally. Fascinating. The lies are so extreme that Mitch Muscow McConnell had to do a press conference and call out the reporting of fixed news. You have to tell some tall tales and long lies to get McConnell to say, wait a minute, now damn it, that's too far. Ladies and gentlemen, Tucker Carlson was given this footage by Speaker McCarthy. Because McCarthy defies medical science every day by standing upright with no backbone. And this is an intentional redesign, redeveloping and reframing of the entire historical context. What is history? His story. And that is what Tucker Carlson is engaged in right now, pure rhetoric. But he's doing it to save his own ass, why? Because all of these text messages that are coming out showing that he has disdain for his own viewers. That he never believed anything he said on that television screen. He is trying to win back the bigots because the bigots pay him money. You see, Tucker Carlson is the worst kind of hypocrite. He's not a Kool-Aid drinker, he refuses to drink the Kool-Aid. He just wants to make money off the fact that others do. Now. Here's what really happened on January 6th. 
injury. Multiple capital injuries. Officers on the ground, they were bleeding, they were throwing up. I, I mean, I saw friends with blood all over their faces. I was slipping in people's blood. As I was swarmed by a violent mob, they ripped off my badge, they grabbed and stripped me of my radio, they seized ammunition that was secured to my body. They began to beat me with their fists and with what felt like hard metal objects. Um. I didn't think that I was just going to be killed. I thought other things were going to happen to me as well. So what sounds like what you're telling me right now is that you didn't only think that you were going to die. You thought you were going to be raped. Yeah. Yeah. I thought I was. Pro-police, you say. Pro-law and order. You believe in the Constitution, you tell people. Don't be shocked, ladies and gentlemen, that individuals like Tucker Carlson and others would engage in this kind of revisionist history. These are the same people who rely on God, literally, to justify their own position and evil. Mitch McConnell had this to say, here it is. It was a mistake in my view for Fox News to depict this in a way that's completely at variance with what our chief law enforcement official here at Capitol thinks. Yeah, uh, it's called a damn lie, Mitch. You should have been as forceful about your criticism of Fox News as you are about your criticism of people who say defund the police, perhaps. Now, the man who gave Tucker the footage, McCarthy, well, he had this to say. Tucker Carlson, last night he went on, so this is a mostly peaceful chaos, as he said. He downplayed Brian Sicknick's death, said it was not related to January 6th, it was not an insurrection. Do you regret giving him this footage so he could whitewash the events of that day? No, um, I, I said at the very beginning, transparency. And so what I wanted to produce for everybody is exactly what I said, that people can actually look at it. Let's see what's going on that. Day, so. But why? Well, well, Look, each person come up with their own conclusion, but I, what I just want to make sure is I had transparency. Feckless leadership. The real speaker is Matt Gates. All right. Now Tucker has something to say. Here's a little Tuck Tuck. <laughs> They're all on the same side. So it's actually not about left and right. It's not about Republican and Democrat. Here you have people with shared interests. The open borders people, the people, <laughs> the people like Mitch McConnell who are living in splendor on Chinese money. The people who underneath it all have everything in common are all aligned against everyone else. And that would include almost all news organizations in this country as well. And so if you're watching this, it might be kind of interesting to keep a list. Because one thing we learned today is that they're all in agreement with each other. They kind of outed themselves. They sort of showed their membership cards and whatever club this is to the public. So keep a list. If you want to know who's actually aligned, despite the illusion of partisanship, we found out today.
your membership is showing too, sir, uh, the KKK. Now, let me highlight an irony here. Let's put it up. So while Tucker Carlson basically brushes off all of his lies, he is the same person who said he hated Donald Trump. So it's funny he mentions alignment because two days before the violent January 6th insurrection terrorist attack, Tucker Carlson privately said that he hated Donald Trump. I hate him passionately, Carlson texted an unknown staffer. I blew up at Peter Navarro today in frustration. I actually like Peter, but I can't handle much more of this. He then added, we're all pretending we've got a lot to show for it. Because admitting what a disaster has been is too tough to digest, but come on. There isn't really an upside to Trump in a text to one of his show's producers as the Capitol riots rage, Carlson called Trump a demonic force and a destroyer. And then he hopped his manipulative, opportunistic ass on TV and represents a point of view contrary to the truth he knows. You see, Tucker, at this point, I would say, sir, search your soul. I don't think you have one any longer. AB, thoughts here. I'm so confused how you can fix your space to see three people in a hallway roaming around and say that this was the majority of the crowd that was being peaceful. And in the same scene, see 50,000 people rushing a building, crawling over each other, like the violence and the chaos that is happening. The delusion happening right now at Fox News is astronomical to me. I'm so confused, like y'all need to be telling these stories at the Disney Channel because this is not real life at this point, right? Like, and, and the people who watch Fox News should be quite disrespected right now that you are watching the video of this happening of what people did on the nation's capital and the nerve of this news station to try to tell you contrary to what you could see with your own eyes. It just doesn't make sense. I don't know if that toupee on his head is too thick and he can't like he can't think, can't breathe, but that's not what we saw at this point. Like it's getting ridiculous. And for you to admit that Trump is demonic and he is a problem, why do y'all keep standing out on a limb for this man? Why do y'all keep walking out on the ledge? You're getting sued for billions of dollars because you blatantly told a lie. And the truth is in your text messages behind closed doors. This is the problem again with society and with democracy. In order for democracy to stand, we have to hold it together. When you tell lies like this, once you tell one lie, you gotta tell another and tell another and it starts to spiral and we are seeing that spiral now. On top of that, the very people who keep y'all network alive, like the Mitch McConnells and the Trumps, they not fooling with y'all. And that that is going to, it's gonna really harm them, right? When it comes down to election time, but they're not even fooling with y'all. So I think this is really ridiculous um, of Tucker Carlson. Y'all would have been better off leaving this alone. And for McCarthy, child, <laughs> they beat you up for 15 rounds and you still ain't got nothing to show for it, no. okay? 
If you wanted to be transparent, you should have gave that video to the other networks as well. You gave it to Tucker because you knew it was gonna give you some talking points. But at this point, you have been shown as the most weak third person in line for the presidency we have ever come across in quite some time. You didn't even have the power to get the seat without giving over everything except for your your dog's bowl of water, okay? Yeah. You gave up everything you had to get that position and now you are being disrespected in front of the American people and being shown how much of a fraud and a weak individual you are. And I pray to God that nothing ever happens that you ever have to step foot as president because we are doomed. Yeah, we're very close to it already. More video in the death, the killing of Mr. Tyree Nichols promises to come out. Memphis doing the thing they do where they tell you they're about to do something, then wait a long time to do it. Let's put the picture up full mass, remind you of this young soul who was killed by the criminal actions of the police. The city of Memphis will now release nearly 20 hours of footage. Hopefully this afternoon regarding the fatal beating of Tyree Nichols by MPD officers along with the new footage will be the charging document. Let's go to Jennifer Sink. Jennifer is the chief legal officer. She said Tuesday morning before the city council's public safety committee, the investigation has now been concluded. It is over according to her. In total, 13 officers from the Memphis Police Department were investigated. Seven were fired, three were suspended and two had their internal charges dismissed. One officer retired, but the recommendation for that person was termination. The officer who retired submitted his retirement before the hearing was scheduled. Sink said the city cannot compel someone to come to work or a hearing unless they're employed by the city of Memphis. Although that officer was not officially fired, Singh said there will be a record that shows the charges brought against the officer along with the course of action recommended for each of the violations. With the city's current pension system, an employee can retire even if they are facing disciplinary action and retain their pension. Sink said that Tennessee state law, which says a government employee's pension can be rescinded if convicted of a crime is the only mechanism that the city has to revoke or rescind somebody's pension. The five former MPD officers, put them up. Justin Smith, Emmett Martin III, Desmond Mills Jr., Demetrius Haley, and Tadarius Bean were the ones initially fired and later charged for Nichols death. While the sixth officer, Preston Hill, was also fired, he has not been criminally charged. That was the white guy that utilized the taser and said, I hope they stomp his ass. According to Sink, all of the officers who struck Nichols were part of the first group of terminations and criminal charges. One other person who was suspended did at the tail end place hands on legs, but that was not a strike or an assault, that person received a suspension. All of the suspensions were without pay and they will return to work after, such a damn shame. Let's put up the other employees, people who are supposed to help. Additionally, four employees from the Memphis Fire Department were also charged. 
Two of them are emergency medical techs, Robert Long and Jermichael Sandridge, along with Lieutenant Michelle Whitaker. They were fired on January 30th. Fourth MFFD personnel received a suspension and remedial training. See, they know training is not the problem. That is not the issue. Policy is not the problem. That is not the issue. It is a culture. Look at it. Everybody acted on the same accord here. All officers who were involved acted the same way, in allegiance to the next, rather than in allegiance to the community, in allegiance to their training, or in allegiance to the, to the law. They acted in allegiance to the cop next to them. That is called a cultic or gang-like behavior. And then those who are trained to render life-saving aid, how do they respond? They respond like the officer next to them and the officer next to that one. Once again, the same dynamic. You do not have a policy problem, you have a cultural problem. Now, here's why I know they're not authentic about actually solving this. They would like you to think they have now cut the cancer away. That they have found all of the wrongdoers in the department. Please keep in mind, these officers committed this killing in front of other people, in front of cameras. You don't think they knew where the city cameras were located? They did it right in front of one. And they do know where these cameras are located because if they need to pull footage, they need to know that a camera is in that area. And so they contact the IT person. That person gives them the information. If they are willing to do this to a man in front of one of their own cameras, would you not conclude that they have somebody on the inside who's willing to wipe those records. My point is, it doesn't just stop with those you saw on camera. But since they're not solving that problem, you can be rest assured, they're not serious about solving the actual real challenges. AB, thoughts here. Yeah, there's a lot of issues with this. So first and foremost, I don't understand how the person who um, was holding down legs and stuff is not being accused of battery and assault if right. the victim was not supposed to be in custody in, in the first place, which is where the kidnapping charge came from. So I think that is very misleading and it's almost gaslighting. Um, I think it's also unfortunate that the officer who retired, like the community, Taxpayers are going to pay his salary, right? His retirement salary, which means this young man, the victim's parents, their tax dollars are going towards this former officer's salary after what they did, after their participation in this. I think that's wrong and that's a policy that really needs to be considered and looked at. And I also don't think it's enough that it's on his record that he's been accused of a crime because plenty of people have been accused of a crime. It's not until the conviction happens that it actually matters. So I think it needs to be on record of him being convicted or at least being reprimanded for his potential participation or his or her potential participation in this right. in this crime because a crime occurred. We watched it. We just don't know which one they're going to be found guilty of. Um, the other part about it is, you know, this this narrative going around that the EMTs are saying they were prevented from rendering aid by the officers. That goes to show a deeper level, right? Because whether these officers prevented them or tried to prevent them from rendering aid to Mr. Nichols, as EMTs, that is your job is to save lives. So there should have been nothing that those police officers could have done that prevented you from doing your job. This man should still be alive. 
today, period, yep. at the end of the day. There's no reason, I don't care how fast he was driving. I don't care that he, whether he ignored the lights when they first came on or not, he should still be alive today. He yeah. should still be alive today, period. We're gonna bring you updates as they develop. We got more on the other side, it's indisputable stick and stay. All right, welcome back. We have a lot of show left. I'm pressed for time, but let me read a couple of these comments. Cookie Wilkins, thank you. Welcome to Indisputable. We appreciate your support. Nola Lady, welcome to Double Doser. We appreciate your support. Jeanette Villalona, member for eight months. We appreciate your support. Hello, Dr. Rich. Always good to be here and for always being the cheerleader for the unheard and underserved. Um, Iron Sharpens Iron, we're all in this together. Thank you for your support. Uh, Donald James X, member for nine months. Thank you. Turn on the uh, sprinkler systems because Dr. Rich and AB are on fire. There you go. We all are, right? Got something for you, ladies and gentlemen. I wish you Karen would. You want to call the police on them for having a barbecue on a and Sunday? You're I feel great. Back off. I'm going to tell them there's an African American man threatening my life. What fear is that, amigo? Are you okay? Who are you? What's your problem? You know what an honor is? I don't know what that is. You tell me. Well, you're gonna find out the hard way. Don't <laughs> come into this country and stand ignorant and think you can be above the law. Am I clear? No. Say it again. You cannot come into this country and think you're above the law. How am I above the law? I didn't turn my will either. Are you backing him or me? I'm just letting you know. My, I, I Both of you can stay right there. All right, I'm not going nowhere. Excuse me, sir, I'm trying to leave. Can you please? Oh, you wasn't saying that a minute ago. I'm trying you to leave. leave it a minute ago. I was packing up to leave. What oh. are you? Can you please get off the vehicle? Not until I got your name, little boy. Well, there's more. Here it is. Sonic works for me. Sonic works for you? Okay. You ever heard of Twitter's CEO? Can you please get off the vehicle so I could be on my call way? Call the cops. I'm not going to. don't like it. This is not necessary for me to call the cops. Well, it's necessary I do my job. Since you're in denial that I'm capable of doing it. Are we clear? No. You don't know what an auditor is. One inch GPS. You do now. Oh. <laughs> Thank you, sir. Thank you for keeping us safe. You know how close I was to a pistol shot to the head? No. To you and Nancy Pelosi. Do you know? Call the SWAT. Thank if you, sir. you think you can walk against the SWAT and walk out, big boy, I'll let Nancy Prosy up the door. <laughs> uh, now, obviously, uh, if anyone knows him, we do not have much information. Uh, San Fran is where we believe this happened. Uh, it is time for an intervention. For my commentary, I'm going to focus on the actions of the individual recording. Uh, it was appropriate. It was courteous, it took into consideration the individual's age and perhaps mental state. It was well 
well done. He did not get angry. He did not have to call the police, even though somebody was being aggressive. He did not feel as if he needed to shoot someone. When the man said call the police, he said, I don't, it's not necessary for me to call the police. And it wasn't. All right. Just thought it was a very good way to handle a situation like that. AB, thoughts here? Yeah, I feel for that old man. Something not right. He seemed to be stuck in, you know, 1816 somewhere. Um, the way he was carrying on. So I hope yeah. his family sees this and they get him the help he needs because uh, mental illness is is scary. And you know, luckily the person that he came in contact with was as calm and rational yep. as he was. Yeah, um, and he really tried to defuse the situation. But I think that could have went left really quickly. Um, and I just think it, it just either his old age or like mental health. But I hope his family or someone in his family will see this and know they need to go get their granddaddy because he's not doing too well. He's not doing well at all. Uh, and big ups to the one who recorded and ensured that nothing dangerous was going to happen to him. All right, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. okay, unbelievable, but Believable. Twitter bots are now saying buy a gun if you use the N word on social media. I kid you not. Uh, let's put up the uh, Twitter leader right now. According to Rolling Stone, Twitter bots are using the encrypted messaging app Telegram to sell guns across the platform against its terms of service. This comes after Elon Musk Twitter takeover, where he announced he'd make cleaning up the bot a top priority. His strategies on that front have produced, at best, mixed results. Moreover, in recent months, some users have been plagued by a type of spam that directly violates Twitter policy. Automated replies from accounts offering guns for sale. Now, let me show you how significant this is. Let's put up messages. The bots seem to be activated by specific keywords, often predominantly curse words and especially the N word. Here's an example of some bots um, and their responses with polls referring to weapons. Okay, Joe, I got cheap clean polls for sale. Click the link in my bio. Polls means gun. Okay, I, if you need Utilizing symbols. Click the telly in my bio 247. According to a criminal complaint made by US Postal Inspector Joshua R. Leslie to the Department of Justice District in New Jersey, the US Postal Inspection Service launched an undercover operation on Telegram to uncover drug sales such as heroin, but also found numerous channels for selling firearms starting in or around August 2020. USPIS began conducting an undercover operation on the social media platform Telegram. Several channels were identified as selling narcotics, including TMO drug menu. And uh, I think this is Ill Fields drug menu, which advertised the sale of various types of illegal drugs, including heroin and pills. Law enforcement determined that Angelo Chavez, Chavez was the administrator of the TMO drug menu. And used to handle trap market official, and that the Philip Louisvano was the administrator of the Fields drug menu. It used the handle the illest 
In addition to offering various drugs for sale, Chavez also advertised the sale of firearms on the Trap Market official Telegram page. There's more, let's put her up. Some like Lindsay Nichols, policy director of the Giffords Law Center to prevent gun violence have speculated that bots are being used by law enforcement. Yes, law enforcement to entrap citizens and especially target black community. Dr. Jen Goldbeck, a professor at the University of Maryland College of Information Studies had this to say and I quote, that the way the bots operate is not random at all. She adds that they're clearly programmed to respond to something probably variations on the N word in these cases. And though she says the idea that feds are behind the trend is not the worst theory, it doesn't ring true to Goldbeck. I've talked to plenty of FBI guys about this before and Twitter bots seem beyond their normal set of skills. I do understand your position, Professor. But this is why it would be classified in a specialized department. Because the average FBI agent would not be aware of how to do this, nor the programming mechanism that governs it. All right, all right, Uh, let's go to Dr. Liz. All right, however, Dr. Liz Rodwell, an assistant professor of digital media information and logistics technology at the University of Houston says it's actually easy to produce these Twitter bots. And Dr. Kathleen Carley, a professor with the Institute for Software Research at Carnegie Mellon University had this to say, there may, there may be multiple motivations. To sow dissension, to increase polarization, to encourage racial prejudice, all of these are achieved by these messages. Rolling Stone joined the Telegram channel, the bots linked to and uncovered several messages promising sales of mostly semi-automatic Glock pistols for as low as $100 with pictures of US postal documents to confirm past deliveries. The sellers were claiming to have a gun shop in Virginia. The Telegram user advertised owing Beto's gun shop, owning Beto's gun shop, a non-existent gun store and copied the advertising of a real Bob's gun shop. Rolling Stone reached out to the owner who was already aware of the Telegram user and says it's totally a fake business and a phishing scam. He himself has been trying to shut it down to no avail. Policy director Lindsey Nichols also pointed out a nefarious and much larger problem with Telegram. The loophole in federal law that allows unlicensed sellers to sell guns without conducting background checks emboldens bad actors. Indeed, even as a phishing scheme, the business relies on buyers believing that they that they surreptitiously purchase weapons over state lines and the internet or on the internet without getting caught. Nichols says the phenomenon highlights the need for a clear line of identifying when gun seller or a gun seller is required to be licensed, get a license and conduct background check. So you may be wondering, well, how does this even work as far as interstate travel? The purchase of firearms, obviously a minor could do so under this particular framework. Well, conservatives in particular don't give a damn, they don't care. They will not present legislation to say, okay, we get it. 
at least this version of gun control is relevant. Anytime you attempt to make a common sense law to stop a disaster from happening as it relates to guns, they scream gun control. But keep this in mind, yes, you do have the constitutional right to bear arms. You also have the constitutional right, freedom of speech. But that freedom is limited. In other words, you cannot utilize that speech in order to harm someone else. It has a limitation, a penalty, a repercussion. So when we have that restriction on speech, nobody says, well, that's speech control. We know it to be common sense. So why do we utilize the terminology gun control when it's simply a common sense approach to stop others from being harmed? AB thoughts here. Yeah, my legal mind like clicked in really fast, right? Because it goes to show like where we're gonna go with litigation when it comes to bots and AI and stuff like that, because we're just giving them so much permission um, and allowing them to almost it seemingly be free thinkers on the internet, right? And there's no way to prosecute or control this. So I think that's like a big issue that we need to consider Um, in addition to looking at the target audience in this, right? When you look at the vernacular that is used in these tweets and information, there is a particular target audience. And I think that's one thing we need to be aware of because whether it means that this young target audience, right, gets a hold of weapons and we have more mass shootings in schools and stuff like that, or it means that we find a way to put more people of color in prison because they are being entrapped. Um, We have an issue on our hands. And so I absolutely agree that we need to be talking about the second amendment and putting some limitations on that. um, So that is still safe to be a gun holder in this country um, without opening up the floodgates to any and everybody and their mama, people who don't need to have guns in their hands, having guns in their hands. So, you know, this it's scary on all fronts. And again, from a legal perspective, I'm really interested in how we're gonna deal with this in the future. Yeah. When a disaster happens, I hate to say it that way. I really do. But they won't pay attention to this until something happens that connects back to this dynamic. You have an opportunity to solve it now. All right. We got more on the other side. It's indisputable. Stick and stay. All right, welcome back. Don't have a lot of time. C. Michael Henson, I appreciate you. Mail Karen reminds me of Buford T. Justice from Smokey and the Bandit, Big Bark and No Bite. Uh, he did seem to be a character. Uh, Donald Trump's Bone Spurs, member for seven months. Thank you so much. We appreciate you. Uh, and Mind Grifter, Bill O'Reilly cosplay gone wrong. Uh, talking about the uh, San Fran Mail Karen. All right. We have an exclusive update. Now, remember the school teacher was caught on camera by a student uh, basically lecturing them and cursing them out at the same time. Well, that school teacher has returned back to the institution, many parents are not happy. Let me remind you of the original video, here it is. Society is trying to make you as soft as possible so that everybody feels good about themselves. Like if you're fat, whose fault is that? Yours, and I'll tell you that straight up. That's because of the things you put in your in your mouth. That anybody forced it down your throat. But everybody wants to, everybody wants to be body positive. Let's, let's, let's celebrate fat people, why? They just die because they're fat. <laughs> Yeah, y'all laugh. This is the truth. Again, don't care. You're fat. It can be genetic. That's that's a excuse. Can be genetic. Yeah. Guess what? My entire family's fat. I'm not. 
I'm one of the most in shape people around you. I do marathons. All my parents are fat. My parents are fat, and so is my brother. That's not genetics. Excuse. That's okay. That's fine. That's the mindset y'all have. Let's find an excuse. It's somebody else's fault. It's always somebody else's fault. I couldn't get to class, coach. Whatever. It's somebody else's fault. It's not your fault. Take responsibility for yourself. Okay? No one cares, especially when you come to my class. And y'all probably should understand that by now. We're, we're almost 20 weeks into school. Some of y'all still don't understand how it operates. Some of y'all still don't understand if you just turn your work in, you'll pass this class. Okay? You just The people who do, you're like, yeah, it's easy. I don't see how you're failing. But, I mean, there's over 50% of this class has failed. That's all it is. And that frustrates me as a person because I just feel like I'm wasting my time talking to a bunch of idiots who don't give That's frustrating as a teacher. I wish I could be in my position. Never got heads up now because Coach Dickey's throwing the F-bomb out everywhere. Unprofessional. Derogatory. You know why over 50% of your class is failing, sir? Because you are not a decent educator. That is why. Educators do more than teach. The true art of education is motivation. Digging inside to dig inside. You don't inspire, sir. That is how you operate. Now, there are many who will say what he's saying is true. We need more people to talk like that to this generation. Really? You want a teacher that calls your child an idiot? Or do you want someone who says, I know they call you an idiot, but you're not one. You're smart. As a matter of fact, you're a damn genius. And talk them up rather than talking them down. That school teacher has now returned to the classroom. Parents at the school have complained to the administrator, administrators. And here it is. You're wasting your time more importantly. It's not really mine. I'm, 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 but I do appreciate those people. For you others, clowns, dude, y'all go f yourselves, honestly. You're just wasting my time. You're wasting your time more importantly. It's not really mine. Let's put up the picture for a man. His name is Coach Mike Diffin. A student posted this profanity and demeaning language he utilized. He was speaking to classmates or class, his classroom, and students were involved in this conversation. Diffie has now returned to the school. His administrative leave is over. Parents are disappointed. After the incident, one person posted to Facebook about the teacher's alleged violent outburst. He said, and I quote, my son said, this is Coach Diffie. And he has always talked to them like that. I also just found out. He is the teacher that slammed my son into the wall. My son is telling me a lot now that he has graduated. Another parent told Indisputable, his son was berated and vulgarity shouted at him on the field. When he, when the child saw Diffie in class, he says he was further humiliated. He says Diffie encouraged players to pick or bully his son. The parent said he believed Diffie engages in this Regular pattern of abuse. A third parent, Ms. Lopez, whose daughter attends Captain Shreve High School, says she complained to the administration and the high school's board about Diffie's behavior. She says she received zero, no follow up. If we want children to act a certain way, especially teachers and adults, we need a pretty much, we need to pretty much act even better than the kids. Yes, it's called professionalism. There's a time and place, and I get what he was trying to do. 
I don't. A good old boy approach, trying to relate to kids, throwing around a few cuss words, but that's not his environment. She added, what if those kids have obesity issues? And he kills himself that day because the teacher couldn't control his mouth. I thought it was completely unprofessional. And I told the board that I'm not out here trying to get this man fired. That's not my goal. My goal is this behavior never happens again. Miss Lopez, quite reasonable. Let's go to the superintendent, the man in charge, right? At the end of the day, Dr. Gorey, uh, this is your responsibility. It may not have been your fault, but it is now because you refuse to take leadership. Marquel Center, Director of Communication and Marketing. Cotto Parish Public Schools reached back out to Indisputable, said, and I quote, Thank you for reaching out. State law prohibits us from commenting further on personnel matters. However, Cotto Parish Public Schools is dedicated to the well being of our students and will continue our commitment of ensuring that all students have a safe learning environment that allows for their academic growth. You could have kept that statement. So here's what we have, a guy who is not a student advocate, someone acting wholly unprofessional, utilizing profanity, othering students, allegations that he uses students to bully other students, he gets to come back. Isn't that something? You do realize that if a student acted the way Mr. Diffie acted, that student would be expelled for the rest of that year. And if they continued, they would not have a place to go to school. But you accept the behavior of the teacher when you would not accept that behavior from a student. What message are you sending? You see, students aren't always listening, but they are always learning. AB thoughts. I mean, if that teacher was someone of color, they oh, yeah. would not be in their job right now, right? This is what happens when you listen to Andrew Chait um, and you take that rhetoric and you spread it across your classroom. Um, it's unproductive. Uh, it's pointless. He didn't have any points at all. Just because your family is obese and you're not obese does not mean that obesity cannot be genetic, right? Nothing that you said was wholly accurate. So you sitting there loud and wrong, yep. in, inaccurate for no reason. Um, but this is what happens when we pay teachers 35 cents an hour to teach our kids. Any and everybody mm. that has access to a Cracker Jack box will come into the classroom and be responsible for teaching your kids. And so it's just unfortunate the level um, that our school education is going into, but this what we have. Yep, so we shall see parents are still outraged. They are pushing back. We will see if it is effective. All right, a child has his finger broken by a teacher's aide. Let's actually go to the child's picture first because this never should have happened. A child laying up in a hospital bed. Let me give you the background. Columbia, South Carolina mother is demanding Killian Elementary School leaders take action after she says a teacher's aide slammed a classroom door on her son's finger so hard he had to be taken to the hospital. The mother does not wish to be identified, says her six year old son's finger is now broken and his arm is in a cast. Her son was in his special needs class when the incident happened. Now she is asking the teacher's aide to be removed immediately, looking to take legal action and has petitioned for a restraining order against the aide. The child's mother says her son asked to be put in timeout 
because he was getting overwhelmed and needed to be by himself. The child was standing in the classroom doorway. That's a picture. The mother told WIS News 10 and I quote, the teacher's aide went to the door, closed the door and noticed something was stuck in the door and still slammed it closed. He said he did yell the first time. He ignored it and proceeded to close the door completely, which that's what broke his finger. She says school officials originally told her that her son just needed stitches. But when she arrived at the hospital, she learned it was much more. She said, he's in a cast right now. He's restricted now. He's already restricted because he has a rare condition. Uh, And he has a tracker in his G tube. And now this, and now this is just too much. He's had to endure in this short lifespan. Um, Her demands for the AIDS removal uh, so far have fallen on deaf ears. Isn't that sad? That was actually mentioned to me that they're short staffed is the reason. But short staffed or short some children, which one? Because you won't have no children filling these schools because parents don't feel safe sending their children to school anymore. Put up the leadership. Okay, now there's a child who has been hospitalized by a teacher's aide. Parents request was most reasonable, remove her from the classroom. Killian Elementary Principal Stacy Franklin, Assistant Principals Marlena Council and Michelle Evans and Richland School District 2 Superintendent Nancy J. Gregory. WIS did reach out to the district leaders. They're currently looking into the matter. They're working to get in touch with the mother according to the latest report. Uh, let's go ahead and make this happen this week, all right? Let's make this happen before the week is out. This is an easy call, low hanging fruit, exert some leadership here. AB thoughts? No amount of short staff should have a child in that level of danger. There is no reason. First of all, don't ever call me talking about your kid just need a few stitches, okay? That's even worse. But there's no reason while a parent trusted you with their child, special needs or not, and they are now in the hospital under your watch and we have to ask for you to be removed, that should be automatic. Because had that parent done that to her own child, her child would have been taken from her. Exactly. So there's no excuse, there's no excuse while this teacher's aide should be asked. There should be any type of ask for them to be removed from a classroom. Clearly you are not competent or capable to handle children. And so it's time for you to go. Everyone in that school administration should be ashamed of themselves. And whoever that teacher's aide is should be ashamed to walk through the hallways every day. That's right. Now listen uh, to the administrators, easy call. We expect an update on this during the week when I report that you all made the right call. Just keep in mind, I don't let nothing go, nothing. All right, AB, tell people how they can follow you, check out your great work. You can follow me on YouTube, I am Legally Hype. I am also on TikTok, Twitter, and Instagram as well. Um, thank you so much, Dr. Richie, for having me once again, it was a pleasure. Always a pleasure, dear sister, having you on the show. All right, the bullpen is next, stick and stay.
Welcome back. All right, let's get it. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Bull Pink. This is the story of Morris Brown College. Some outstanding black folks founded Morris Brown back in 1881. The first and only HBCU founded, owned, and operated by black people in all of Georgia. This is where Pulitzer Prize winners hit the books. Where jazz legends developed their sound. Where civil rights leaders spearheaded change. These are the halls where some of the greatest minds in business, science, and the arts marched. But every great story has conflict. And I ain't finna lie, this school went through it. But see, the thing is, every great story has a hero too. This is one of them. And this is another. In her, in him, in them, in you. Together, we're bringing back Morris Brown College, bringing back financial aid, bringing back a history of black excellence. Morris Brown College. A new beginning in black academia. Horace Brown College, all the way back, hard reset, has worked, continues to work. They lost their accreditation many years ago, but the institution was resurrected through the leadership of many, including the current president who led the institution back to reaccreditation, Dr. Kevin James. I am proud to serve as a professor under his leadership, Mr. President. Good day, welcome to Indisputable. Thank you, sir, for having me, good afternoon. It's always good to see you, man. A lot of people may not know the story of Morris Brown College outside of the context of Atlanta and maybe the states that surround. Um, But Morris Brown has a significant connection, not only to black academia, but black excellence and black progression, civil rights movement, et cetera. Can you give us some of that historical connection to this institution? Sure, well, first of all, again, thank you for having me on today. Morris Brown is a historic institution founded in 1881. Our institution is very unique because we're the first and the only HBCU in the state of Georgia that was actually founded, funded, owned and operated by black people for black people. So many individuals have come through this institution to earn an education and to go out into the communities and to lead. One of those individuals, Hosea Williams, who stood on the front lines with Reverend Martin Luther King Jr. You know, we just celebrated this weekend, uh, you know, Selma, Alabama, the President of the United States was in Selma. And so we were there, Morris Brown was there on the front lines. And so, so many individuals have come through these halls and been educated and now are doing great things in the community. We just made history as the first HBCU to rebound after a 20 year hiatus. And we're so, so excited to be back and we're moving the institution forward. We're gonna get into some of the nuances of how that happened. Um, Senator John Ossoff, who happens to be a dear friend of mine, dear friend of yours, he's been on my show multiple times. Talk to us about how Senator John Ossoff was instrumental in being a partner and ally to do this. And I remember when he was campaigning to be a senator, he literally came on my radio show, uh, Mr. President, and said, I'm going to make sure one of my top priorities is ensuring the reaccreditation of Morris Brown College. And him, you, you all delivered. Talk to us about that relationship. Absolutely. So I heard him on your show. Hey, mm. we want to help Morris Brown College. And so I reached out to him and reached out to his team and said, I heard that you mentioned Morris Brown. We would love to partner with you. And so he made a lot of promises to me that he would help to get funding for an institution. And he is one of the politicians that actually kept his promise. And so he just helped us to deliver on a 2.9 
million dollar grant to Morris Brown College. A $500,000 of that funding will go towards our historical building, Fountain Hall. And then 2.4 million would go towards our teaching and learning and uh, to push forward our academic mission here at Morris Brown College. So, you know, he has been very instrumental along with Senator Warnock uh, in helping to keep promises made during their campaign. And they've delivered on a lot of funding for HBCUs in this state. Let's talk about uh, the interesting dynamic of affordability. Yes. You know that I am a preacher of affordable education. Yes. Uh, students at Morris Brown are very excited. I, literally, I start back teaching next week for the cohort, and I'm already getting emails uh, yes. from students. So there's an excitement in the educational dynamic. But Morris Brown College is also one of the most affordable private colleges in all of America. Yes. Uh, and let's talk about why it was important to keep the institution affordable and how affordable is it? Can somebody literally go to school, get some level of financial aid and have a college degree fully accredited debt free? Yes, so the major component of our resurrection was earning our federal financial aid status back. Getting access to Pell Grants and scholarships and loans was instrumental uh, to resurrect this institution. Morris Brown College is now proud to boast that we're the most affordable HBCU in the city of Atlanta. You know, when you look at some of our counterparts, 20, 30, $40,000 a year, Morris Brown College is $4,250 a semester tuition. So you're looking at about $8,500 a year. And those students who come from Pell eligible backgrounds, you know, now can get up to about $6,800 a year and funding that does not have to be repaid. So our goal here at Morris Brown was that we were able to provide an affordable education. And the goal here is that you graduate with little to no debt. Let's talk about the quality of professors. As I said, I'm a proud member under your leadership as a professor at Morris Brown College. But you have been very dogmatic about making sure that your professors are not only academically qualified, but they have shown mastery in practice that they are able to demonstrate as well as educate. Tell us about the Absolutely. duality and why that's important. It is so important to have the absolute best faculty, the faculty of the lifeblood of any institution. And so as we were going through this hard reset and resurrecting, you know, we hired a brand new team. We have a new provost. We have a new assistant provost. We have four new department chairs all leading the way regarding our academics. And now we completely uh, hired and brought in new academic leadership. Not only do these individuals have PhDs and master's degrees, but they also have that hands-on applicable experience working in the fields that they teach. That is extremely important so our students can get that hands-on learning, not just theory, but also the practical application as well. And so we are scaling our academic programs and we have the absolute best faculty out here. I put my faculty up against anyone. Yeah, And I'm so proud to have you on board as a faculty member as well. Oh man, listen, it's one of the biggest joys of my entire life, um, educating and being under your leadership, dear brother. You have been not only a breath of fresh air, uh, after, you know, we talk about the technical stuff, but doc, this was a difficult thing to do. Yes. Um, and, and I wanna get into that in just a moment. When you came to the city of Atlanta, you took the job being president of Morris Brown College. Yes. At that time, it was not accredited. Still, Morris Brown College has always had a special place in the hearts and minds of those in the state of Georgia and beyond because yes. of the legacy and tradition. Still, every year, a gala, still every year, multiple events, still every year, the campus was technically open even though it was unaccredited and only a handful of students were going there. You get hired, yes. I bring you on my radio show, 
And you talk about something called the hard reset. And you're gonna lead this yeah. institution back to accreditation. And I remember saying, man, if anyone could do it, this guy has the charisma to get it done. But it wasn't easy. Yeah. Tell us about some of the pitfalls and barriers you had to overcome to make yes. this happen. Yes, it was a huge head, huge boulder to carry. You know, I came into this institution and we had filed a $35 million bankruptcy. We literally in 2002, 2003 went from 3000 students to 50 students overnight. 20 years or so not being accredited, the loss of brand, the loss of students, the loss of funders. You know, it's only three reasons the institution survived. God, the AME church and the alumni. And so we kept moving on, we would not allow the institution to close. And I just wanna thank all of the faculty, staff, alumni and shareholders who never gave up on this institution. But it was a heavy, heavy, heavy lift. Uh, we were able to do it. We became the first HBCU to earn our accreditation back. We have our federal financial aid now reinstated. We now are serving the military veterans benefits. And we are right now at this very moment in the final stages of earning access to international students, F1 visas. Mm -hmm. So we're going to Africa, we're going to the Bahamas and beyond. And so it was a heavy, heavy lift, you know, getting through the whole premise. Number one of just getting people to believe that this was even possible. I say it all the time, this will be in my book, you know, just getting people to believe that we were going to do this after 17, 18, 19, almost 20 years. And so again, once you get that train moving, get a little bit of momentum, we were able to get it done. And uh, I'm gonna tell you, history will say that we were able to save Morris Brown College using social media. Yeah. Social media is what is what we utilize to be, get be able to, people to believe in what we were doing here. And so I just, again, thank you to all the faculty, staff. It's not just me, I have a phenomenal team, uh, phenomenal alums, the AME Church, everybody who never gave up on the school. That's right, for those who are watching, you do know about Morris Brown College. You are familiar with the institution. Let me tell you why. Because it was prominent in a particular movie that I'm sure you have seen. Yes. Mr. President, yes. tell them about that movie. Oh, the movie Drumline. You know, when I meet people all the time and they say, Where's Morris Brown? I always ask one question Have you ever seen the movie Drumline? And I've never met a person to say, No, I've never seen it. And so I say, yeah, the school in Drumline, that's a real school, that's us. And they're just like, oh my God, I can't believe it. And so <laughs> we're a household name around the country, around the world, people just don't know. But we are the uh, featured movie in the movie Drumline. And not only that, we filmed a lot of movies here at Morris Brown College, Stomp the Yard. The Walking Dead was filmed here and a lot of other movies as well. For those who would like to benefit from this high quality education and very affordable education, like to contact yes. the institution, how can they do so? All you have to do is go to our website, it's very easy, morrisbrown.edu. Again, morrisbrown.edu. If you're interested in admissions, click on the admissions button. If you're interested in learning about our academic programs, you'll see all the information there. And if you're interested in giving to our institution, just click on that give button and please pour into Morris Brown. We are good ground as we move this institution forward through what we call the hard reset. There it is. Mr. President, always a pleasure, dear brother. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Thank you. All right. Remember, take care of yourself, take care of each other, take care of the planet. Remember, the truth is always indisputable.